Welcome to the He Said, She Said podcast. This is Tara. Hi, this is EJ. And welcome to part three of Safe and Sound. This is our emotional safety series, how to build emotional safety in your relationship. But before we kind of get into that discussion, we really want to encourage our listeners, subscribers to, you know, what do you want to hear about? What do you want to learn about? Or is there something that you guys have done that has felt really great in your relationship that has worked, whether it's, you know, this is how we got through our anger. This is how we got through an affair. This is how we, you know, this is how we built emotional safety in our relationship. I mean, we really want to hear from you guys because we want to be able to support to support you and, and give give you know give our audience what they want and need. Yeah, and if there's anybody out there also who who you know if you feel like man your relationship would be something you would like to share and talk about, we're also open to to bringing somebody on the uh, on the podcast with us and and interviewing you. So if, so right. yeah, so hit us up through yes. Instagram or Facebook or even email us at us at uh, he said she said counseling at gmail you know, we we'd love to you know take your ideas and and integrate you into the show. It you know we just love you know we love helping people. We, we love, love love, and we love love. Yeah, okay. as, as Tara says. So let's just jump right into part three, safe and sound, because this is where we're actually going to give you a pretty big tool we use ourselves and with our couples that really helps to build emotional safety. But I think, EJ, why don't you recap part one and two? All right. So again, we are, we want to help you guys build emotional safety in your relationship. And an emotional safety is basically just, it's the ability to be honest and vulnerable in your relationship. What it, what it looks like when you have a, uh, an emotionally safe relationship is that you can support each other when you're struggling that you can be respectful, even in difficult moments, um, that you have shared emotional experiences, that, it, that it's okay uh, in positive and more challenging moments, that you can really stay present with one another, mm-hmm. um, that you listen to each other, that you understand, that you validate, that you acknowledge and accept each other's feelings, no matter what, that's huge. And just that you feel the ability to, to communicate freely about everything that we're going to have to deal with, you know, throughout In the life. span of a relationship, which and, is a lot. And, which and is this is about, lot. you know, spending, you know, the rest of your life with your partner. In a, in, in a supportive atmosphere where you can be you, where you don't have to defend yourself all of the time. I mean, we'll still have those defense mechanisms go up and that's okay. Um, and you're also modeling like healthy conflict resolution, emo- emotion regulation with your family. So yeah. it's, you know, it's a big why. And, and, and it's, it's worth it because we're going to spend the rest of our lives with each other. Exactly. You know, and so it's worth it to have, mm-hmm. you know, an ally in everything. And, and as, as Tara says a lot of times in our, uh, in our couples counseling sessions that we can be each other's greatest teachers if we, if we have emotional <laughs> safety, you know, that we can be each other's greatest source of support, that we can help each other get through every single obstacle that we're going to face, um, and if and, we if we yeah. do have children, that we can also show them what an emotionally safe you know atmosphere is for them to develop within. 
Yeah. I know that's for us, that's super important. That, Sense that, of freedom as well. Yeah, that's we want, my biggest We want our kids to be safety. able to be vulnerable. We want them to be able to cry. We want them to be able to share in both their uh, mm-hmm. you know, their their victories and their their big challenges. So I think, you know, let's start off with so emotional safety breaks down, you know, when you when you start to have conflict and you don't feel like you get resolved, right? It's always like a lose lose situation and your guards are up and you get triggered. And sometimes for many couples, it can turn into chronic conflict and not being able to have any resolve. And so emotional safety breaks down. Um, and so really, you, you're, you're kind of having to start building emotional safety during times of distress. And one tool we're gonna teach you today, and we do encourage you to have like a pen and paper, if you can, just to jot these down. And if not, we can, if you email us at he said, she said counseling at gmail.com, we can actually send you the form um, that you can print out or whatever and you can have easy access to. Because the idea behind this is, you know, you use it a couple times and it's more of like a journaling thing. But after you get it down a couple of times, it kind of just becomes automatic in your brain. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go, we're going to kind of go through an overview. It's called relational cognitive restructuring technique. And then we're going to give an example of how it's used between EJ and I in one of our past conflicts. And also we're going to use a case study. Sure. So yeah. do you want to just kind of identify or describe it? Yeah. I mean, sense? I mean, so the idea that this comes out of is, you know, if you've done any therapy in your past or even read a self-help book, you're probably familiar with the term trigger, you know, that there are, that there is an, an external stimulus, you know, there's something that happens outside of ourselves and it's, it can be the tone of our partner's voice or a way in which they act or a thing they said or a dynamic between the two of us, that there's this trigger that when it happens, there's a cascade of things that happen immediately after that, that, that generally happens so quickly, they feel like they're all one thing. It's very automatic. And the relational uh, cognitive restructuring technique is going to allow you to slow it down. Understand it better. Understand it better. And identify what are the real negative core beliefs that are activated in the moment. And, and how, do we, how do we sort of hack them? You know, how do we, we move um, into a different place and more positive place together? Yeah. All right. Um, so, and, and, necess- it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be an incident where both of you are triggered. So it's the person who is triggered that does this exercise. Most of the time, both people can be triggered, but it doesn't necessarily have to be so. Um, so just the general idea is you first kind of write down the incident that triggered you. You get really specific. Um, and then you write down the thoughts, and then you, what are the feelings, what are the behaviors, and then what are the negative core beliefs beliefs that might have been triggered. And then you kind of go through and reflect upon your entire existence, and you try to identify 10 or 20 times throughout your life where that core belief has been triggered. And then you restructure it with a positive core belief that you start to develop to replace the old negative one. Okay, yeah. that just sounds so easy and simple. Yeah, <laughs> or it sounds very uh, like a lot. That, <laughs> exactly. So that's why we're going to kind of go through it um, in terms of an actual conflict that happened. Yeah, and um, this is a time. Be- this is a time that we use this technique together after it had happened, 
and it allowed us to resolve it apart actually because because Tara was triggered by something I did or said sort of and then she went through this technique and she actually she does this sometimes she texts me um, she texts me all this information yeah and then I get to receive it and then I understand a lot better what happened and and you know it, it allows me to understand her better and and it keeps me compassionate and empathetic which is we've identified in the past couple episodes are incredibly important in order for us to have emotional safety so okay so we'll go through our experience first the situation yeah all right the situation was well we had just gotten a brand new car yeah and i you know we have a minivan that has all four kids and it's just let's just say it's worn and it smells like kids in there and so i was just like super excited to have this car like just for ej and i and And it's gonna be clean and it's got new car smell and yeah it's clean (laughs) and it was a it was a saturday morning and things were kind of you know they weren't great but they were they were good it was just kind of a neutral morning neutral and i was yeah. I was going to try to do something nice because I know our dog, Bo, Mr. Bohannon, he gets uh, a little stinky sometimes. So I was going to take him to PetSmart um, to get him bathed and shaved and kind of like all tidied up because I thought Tara would really appreciate it. So we, we had some stuff going on and it was kind of a, you know, hey, who takes, who's taking what car? And basically what I said was like, okay, I'm going to take Bo to PetSmart and since you've got the kid, like a few more of the kids that I'm going to have, why don't I'm going to tell, I'll just put Bo in our new car and I'll take him there and I'll bring him back. I immediately. That was the trigger. <laughs> for me, I immediately, uh, I'm trying to even think. I just was like astounded, shocked, like, ah. Uh, so my, 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 you yeah. know, anyway, so, so, I was like, how could you even think that that's okay? So that, okay. So, yeah. So, so basically in that moment, before we break it down, it, it just cascades up. very quickly. Tara's really mad at me. I don't understand why. She's kind of um, huffing and puffing. Huffing and puffing. I start to like get really upset because I think I'm doing a nice thing, and we end up in an argument within within literally five, five thirty to ten minutes. Yeah, no, really, probably thirty seconds to a That's minute. That's true, but it from the trigger, minutes, yeah. me saying I'm taking Bo in the car. We're automatically in an argument, and we and and neither of us completely understands what what happens. So so EJ leaves. So Tara leaves, and me I, being I leave. Yeah, so EJ leaves with Bo in the minivan, by the way. And knowing that, like, I truly believe I have to practice what I preach. I'm like, oh my, okay, I'm really triggered. Even though I want to just continue to be angry at EJ, like I'm, I've got to understand what's going on for me. So I again, I have my. Um, iPhone that I have easy access to. So I pulled up my notepad and the first thing I wrote down were the thoughts like, I can't believe he would even ask me to take our stinky smelly dog in our brand new car. I thought, doesn't he even get me or understand me? I thought, how could he be so stupid <laughs> to ask that? I thought, um, God, doesn't he know how important it is to me to like have this new thing that's not like you know, completely covered in kid stink germs everywhere. 
Um, so, I mean, and there were probably a lot of thoughts. I mean, we really encourage you guys to write down every thought. Yeah, you want, and, and you want to write the thoughts first because the thoughts are really there. There are engines into emotions, into reactions, into behaviors. And so right away, Tara's breaking it down of like, what were those first thoughts right when, right when the trigger happened? Mm-hmm. And then I wrote down the feelings. Yeah, and feelings my, are next. My feelings were angry, obviously. Sad, disappointed, misunderstood, confused, a little scared, um, definitely anxious. Yeah. And these Those are, are my primary feelings. These are so important for her to communicate to me because all I saw was, was angry. Anger. All yeah. I saw was she's pissed at me now. And, and by her letting me know those thoughts and then those feelings, which a lot of those are, are really like more vulnerable, you know, again, vulnerable. That's what we want in this emotionally safe relationship. She's scared. She's feels misunderstood. You know, I can, I can relate to those and I can open my heart to those feelings a heck of a lot easier than the anger. Although anger is one of them and it's, and it's absolutely okay for, for that emotion to be present as mm-hmm. well. And then, okay, so then I wrote down my behaviors. I was, <laughs> I started like drastically cleaning the kitchen counters because that's just what I do. Like I compulsively clean when I'm triggered. I also became verbally aggressive, blaming, critical of EJ. Um, what else? I cried. Um, one thing you do is you don't make eye contact. Oh yeah, with I definitely, definitely. She stares avoided. in every other direction. I avoided eye contact. Her body language is shut down. Yeah, you know. So again, that's enough, honey. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so there's the trigger. Then there were the thoughts she had. The feelings. Then there were the feelings she had. Then there there were the actions she had. And then this is this is kind of a, one of the more intros- more challenging ones, right? This is more of the introspection, like because you know all of these thoughts, feelings, behaviors were pretty much automatic. They happened very quickly in a nanosecond. Now I have to be like, what are the beliefs, right? The underlying negative core beliefs that were triggered, that allowed for these automatic responses to happen. And this is textbook cognitive behavioral therapy. So there are hundreds and hundreds of negative core beliefs, you know, everything from I'm not lovable, I'm not safe, there's something wrong with me, I have to be perfect, I can't get it right. Uh, I mean, there's just so many. Again, if you email us, we can send you a list of the negative yeah, core so, beliefs. So what, what negative core beliefs were you able so to identify? I'm, okay, so... One for sure was like, I'm insignificant. And I, I'm insignificant happened, I think, because I was like, God, if he knew how important it was to me to like, just, you know, have this one car and keep it like nice. Like if he really knew me and he really thought I was important, he wouldn't have even asked that question. So I'm insignificant. I'm misunderstood. And something that happened for me is because I already have guilt that I'm kind of like a I don't want to say a clean freak, but I like things in order. And sometimes I feel crazy. And so another core belief is like, I am crazy. There's something wrong with me. Cause I could feel like he was judging me. Like it's just a car. It's just a dog. It's okay. Um, but I understand like where it comes from, you know, because my own mom had obsessive compulsive disorder and it was like walking on eggshells when we were younger, you know, everything had to be spotless. And so I have this like massive anxiety when things are, you know, in a lot of disarray. And so my negative core beliefs were, 
I'm insignificant. Um, I'm crazy, right? And I'm I'm misunderstood. And I'm not safe. Wasn't that it? Wasn't that? I'm it not. In yeah, I'm not safe. And that came from like the the idea of having like yeah like dirt or something in the car. Like I mean, and I I didn't even know that until after I started to yeah. identify the negative core beliefs. And so then I'm like, okay, like wow, that was way more than I thought. So then what I do with these negative core beliefs is I I try to go back as far as I can remember, you know, and be like, gosh, I remember like where did these negative core beliefs start or yeah. stem from? And when did they I start to internalize them? And some of us start to internalize them really, really young. Some of us can remember like, oh, it happened in middle school when I was being teased. Um, but for me, it started happening really early on, you know, like if I, you know, there was a time when I was four and I sneezed in a garbage can and my mom got really upset with me and made me stay home from school and clean this garbage can out. And I remember feeling like I can't like I can't believe this is happening. And probably what I internalized there was just like, you know, like if things aren't clean, I'm not safe and I can't get what I want. Um, so anyway, I started to identify like 20 or 30. I actually probably came up with more than 30 memories of like when these when the belief of i'm not safe because that was the biggest one for me because we might have like 10 beliefs associated with this trigger we might just have one or two we say pick the one that feels most pronounced start there and then start to identify all the different situations and so yeah I, and I, I think what's what's important here is 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 you want to go backwards and i think most people, when they go through this exercise, they think it's all about the other person. And so it's okay to start like the first instance that, you know, these 10 to 20 that you come up with, maybe the first is, you know, a week ago. And then the next is like three years ago in your relationship. And, and so it's, it stays with the relationship, but then you want to make sure you switch and you go like, okay, 10 years ago, before I was in this relationship, ago, when did yeah. I feel unsafe? And then, and then 50 and then high school and then junior high. And, and what that does is it gets you away from this idea that it's just all about your partner. And if they would just stop doing that, if I would, you know, in this instance, if I would just not have put the you know said i want to put the dog in the car then tara wouldn't be upset yeah. and it, and it, and it shifts her focus to the idea that wow this is triggering something really deep and what it does for me when she tells me about this is i stop being defensive you know i start listening about like oh okay yeah maybe i do trigger this but also like this is something that existed before me and again my heart can open up because I start to see like, God, this is just Tara's suffering. And even though all I'm seeing is her anger and she's pissed off at me and I want to defend myself from it, really what what I'm getting a glimpse into is is her sadness and, and your, her fear and her lack of safety. And building trust that I'm working on it for myself for preventative measures in our relationship. You know what I mean? Like you're going to trust like, wow, every time she gets, well, not every time, every time she gets angry, she's like actually doing her own self work. Yeah. And that, that builds like the safety for you. Like it's not just me. I'm not being yeah. blamed for this. It's not just like I'm getting your fingers pointed at me, but it's, but you're also doing some self-examination as well. So anyway, so that, so I put on my notepad and I sent it to EJ and he's like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And that wasn't my intention. I'm like, I know I had no idea how loaded it was. And 
bam, right, immediately like fell into each other's arms when he got home from dropping off Bobo at um, the groomers. Well, um, as soon as she sent me that text, my walls went down because yeah. I was like, because I was, I understood, okay, I get what was happening because really what was going on was like on my side, I was confused. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just had no idea what the heck was going on. So, so she gave me a gateway into her process which allowed me to be compassionate, to be kind, to be understanding, to create an emotionally safe place for her to process through this experience. Yes. Do we have time to share like a case study or not? I don't think we have time for a case study, but let, let me just like really quick recap this okay. relational cognitive restructuring technique so, so you guys can use it. So the first thing, is you really, you write down the incident, the trigger, the moment that you had the reaction. Then you write down your thoughts. The first thing, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. He, he's a total jerk, you know, whatever the thoughts are. Then the feelings and, and, and go deep here. Don't just say angry and frustrated. Say angry, frustrated, lonely, scared, sad, lonely, scared. misunderstood, you know, really delve deep. Um, and if you need help, go to a, you know, do a Google search for a list of emotions. There's a lot of them out there. After the emotions, then you do the, um, the, the behaviors. What do you do? Well, I pace, I raise my voice. I yell, I leave the room. Yeah. Yeah. What is the behavior? And then explore. This is the other, this is another tough one. The core beliefs. That are underlying all of those. And and it's not, here's an important distinction. It's not the beliefs about the other person. He's just a jerk. He's insensitive. What are the beliefs about the world around me and about myself that were triggered in the moments? Just a couple examples. I can't fix it. I'll never get what I want. I'm not enough. I am not lovable. You know, I'm a mistake. Whatever it is, there's hundreds of them. And then... You start and you move back in your life. Like what are other times that that negative core belief or those negative core beliefs have been triggered two weeks ago, two years ago, 20 years ago, list a bunch of them. So you start to understand that this is something that you've, that you've, you know, struggled with for a while. And we actually missed the most important piece, which is restructuring the negative core beliefs. Yeah. Thank you, Tara. Here we go. (laughs) So, so really, okay, so my negative core beliefs are activated, right? I'm not safe. I'm insignificant. My brain is signaling like, oh, this is my partner making me feel this way. I go through this exercise. I go through some of the memories, you know, and I internally restructure for myself because I can't go back in time and change anything. But I say to myself, like, I am important. I am safe, right? I am understood. And I know it sounds simple, but you really are restructuring old beliefs and the more you do it, the more you build these positive beliefs to take place so then you get less triggered in times of conflict. And and this may be cheesy, but once you identify that positive core belief that you wanna build that replaces the old negative one, put it on a post-it, put it on your mirror in the bathroom or put it on your refrigerator. Yeah, because (laughs) because that, that serves two purposes. One, you as the individual can look at it and be like, hey, I am lovable, like I am understandable. Also, your partner can look at it and be like, oh, you know, that's what she's working on. I want to do things today that make her feel loved. Or even I want to tell her, Terry, you are absolutely lovable and you are safe. And I'm going to do everything I can to make, you know, to make this 
this uh, this uh, an open-hearted relationship. I mean, and know that this takes work. I mean, we've been walking around with underlying negative core beliefs for years and years and years, and it's not just one time it takes to kind of restructure it. But the more you do this work, the the easier it becomes, and you do you start build, building a more positive belief system in times of distress. Yeah. So, quick recap. This is kind of the, our final chapter in this three-part series about, about creating emotional safety in your relationship. And the tool we gave you today is called Relational Cognitive Restructuring. And it's all about slowing down that moment, understanding the, uh, the thoughts, the feelings, the actions, the beliefs, in order to get to what is that negative core belief, keep you from going into fight, flight, freeze, keep you open-hearted, so that then you together with your partner can create new positive core beliefs about yourself, about the relationship, about the world around you Sounds so that you right. guys can have all the emotional safety that you need to, to, solve, to solve all the problems that are going to come at you yep. as a couple. Yeah. Okay, let's quickly go to our questions. Right. I will take one from Instagram at he said, she said couples. How do you feel about looking through your spouse's phone? Oof, I immediately get a like a oof. Um, you know, so if, if one, or, one or both partners are starting to look through each other's phones, to me that signals some mistrust in the relationship. Um, and looking through someone's phone to me feels like that's very fear-based, like I can't trust them, I have to see, you know, if they're doing something wrong. Um, and I think it's about, you know, if it feels safe with your partner, be like, listen, I have this urge. Like, I want to look through your phone. I want to look through your emails, you know, but I also know like that that's not healthy. That's very fear-based, right? Like, I'm scared that you're being dishonest with me. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is happening, right? But it's such a healthier way to go about it than catching someone and, and you know, having that like, I have to look through this, that urgency, like he's doing something or she's doing something wrong. Yeah. I, for me, it's all about agreements, is, is you certainly don't want to be yeah, snooping through your point. phone if your partner doesn't know it. I think it's a great conversation to have in a non-stressed moment about yeah. what, are, what are you guys' boundaries? You know, because I think for the most part in our relationship, you know, Tara can look through my phone. We sort of have an agreement that if she, if she, if she wants to look at it and vice versa, that we're not going to be reactive. We've definitely seen each other peeking into each other's phones but oh, yeah. but it's because we've decided that that it's okay but if I was to be doing that and I hadn't talked to her about it then that would be intrusive and that would yes. be violating that boundaries. wouldn't feel good yeah. but you know I know like because I basically said hey Terry you want to look through my phone you look through my phone I mean that, that's it's all good and so if I see her looking through my phone I might have like a little bit of an internal reaction but then all I have to do is say to myself you know I agreed to it so whatever you know yeah um, all right, so um, the Facebook question, and again, please, you know, uh, we would love to get questions from you at Instagram, at He Said, She Said Couples. Facebook, it's at He Said, She Said Counseling. Uh, the Facebook question is, what are strategies to co-parent after divorce? Oh, man, that's a whole podcast right there. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the idea is you create the intention that, you both are dedicated towards having a happy, healthy child. That you're going to try to be the best people you can be amidst any uh, negative feelings you have towards one another. Yeah, that your and agreement you... is that you is that you don't play out 
you know, weird power games between each other so and use your kids. So, I mean, I think sometimes getting some, getting Clarification some, of values get, getting some therapy post-divorce sometimes is really useful to set up really clear ground rules on amicable, around, yeah. yeah, amicable co-parenting and ways to not, you know, get, get your children in the middle because it's very toxic for them. Yeah. I think it's also really important to let your kids know that you're united. Because oh, yeah. because kids, especially as they get older, they will split and they will use the division between divorced parents to get their needs met in and, unhealthy ways. Yeah. yeah, and so letting letting that kid know from the very beginning that like, look, we are together in this. That is that is super super important. Yeah, we're actually going to have a whole podcast on that too. So soon, coming up soon. <laughs> yeah. So please, if you have any. Uh, you know, if you have any questions, any topics you'd like to, uh, you know, to, to throw at us, you can hit us up at uh, he said, she said counseling at gmail.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a like, share us, give us your feedback. We'd love to hear it. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, love get emotionally partner. safe with your partner. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me and you listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.